Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled Real Talk About Maximizing Care in Advanced Melanoma, Balancing Benefit and Risk Using Dual Immunotherapy Regimens. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported through an educational grant from Bristol Myers Squibb. Hello, I'm Dr. Evan Lipson from Johns Hopkins University here in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm an associate professor here at Hopkins, and my specialty is caring for patients and doing clinical research for individuals with advanced cutaneous malignancies, in particular melanoma. In this continuing medical education activity, we will focus on balancing benefit and risk using immunotherapy regimens in treating patients with advanced melanoma. Our first session today will address considerations driving treatment selection in order to optimize patient outcomes. The treatment landscape, in particular the first-line treatment landscape for patients with advanced melanoma in 2024 has come a long way. We now have multiple options that include monotherapies like pembrolizumab and nivolumab. We have combination immunotherapies like nivolumab and ipilimumab or nivolumab plus relatlimab. Beyond immunotherapies, there are combination targeted therapies, and then there are some emerging regimens that are in clinical trials and will be further investigated in the months and years to come. Making treatment selections, of course, is complex given this landscape, and there are lots of characteristics of patients and treatment regimens to keep in mind. Among the characteristics we think about that are patient-specific, comorbidities are important to consider, performance status, the prior therapies the patients have received, what the tumor burden is and what the locations of those tumors are, what the potential toxicity profile of the agents you're choosing might be, and what those adverse events might have an impact in the patient's quality of life. Beyond the characteristics of the patient, factors that are specific to the agents themselves are important. Data about overall response rates, duration of response, progression-free survival, and overall survival should all be taken into account. And of course, following the guideline recommendations from national groups, in addition to making sure that we adhere to what the patient preference might be, all of which are important. In the next session, we'll discuss recently presented clinical trial data and the implications of those results, focused in particular on immunotherapy combinations of agents targeting LAG3, PD-1, and CTLA-4. In this second session, we'll discuss recently presented clinical trial data and the implications of those results, focused on immunotherapy combinations of agents targeting LAG3, PD-1, and CTLA-4. Checkmate 067 is a trial that was initiated several years ago, and it compared ipilimumab, which is a CTLA-4 agent, plus nivolumab, PD-1 blockade, with ipilimumab. It also compared nivolumab to ipilimumab. Of note, the two nivolumab-containing arms were not compared to each other. The seven-and-a-half-year data were presented a year and a half ago, and the response rates and the overall survival rates were quite impressive compared to what was available for patients with advanced melanoma just a decade or so ago. You'll see that the Overall survival rate for patients who received ipilimumab plus nivolumab in the treatment-naive setting was approximately 50% at seven and a half years. The median overall survival here from that cohort was 72.1 months, which is the longest ever reported in a phase three study of patients with melanoma. So this, of course, remains a standard of care for patients with metastatic melanoma, in particular for those with high-volume disease, fast-growing disease, and patients with brain metastases. 
Another combination therapy that's been recently tested is relatlimab, which is a LAG3 antibody plus nivolumab. This was studied in a trial called Relativity 047, which is a randomized phase three study performed worldwide. It included over 700 patients. They were randomized to either receive relatlimab plus nevo or nevo by itself. And the primary endpoint of the study was progression-free survival. The trial met its primary endpoint and progression-free survival was improved with the addition of relatlimab to nivolumab. So this combination therapy is an option for patients with advanced melanoma. I should note too that there are other combinations being tried in this space. Fianlimab is another LAG3 targeting antibody. It's being combined with simiplimab for patients with unresectable or metastatic melanoma. And we're seeing some promising results on that study. Likewise, a trial testing spartalizumab, which is a PD-1 agent, with iuramilumab, which is a LAG3 inhibitor, is ongoing in patients with multiple tumor types, including those with melanoma. Again, some promising results, and we'll see in the coming months and years how those data shake out. In the next session, we'll discuss the safety profiles of some of the combinations for patients with advanced melanoma and strategies for managing some of those adverse events. In this third session, we'll discuss the safety profiles associated with immune checkpoint blocking agents observed in melanoma trials, and we'll touch briefly on monitoring for potential toxicities. As we've all become more and more familiar with immune checkpoint blockers over the last several years, we've seen that the list of potential toxicities is generally the same for most of the agents targeting PD-1, LAG-3, and CTLA-4. The likelihood that a patient will experience a serious toxicity, though, increases or decreases depending on the exact agents used. This list comes from a trial of iuramilumab plus spartalizumab, that's a LAG3 antibody combined with a PD-1 antibody. And the list you see here should be familiar. Diarrhea, hypothyroidism, rash, increases in hepatic transaminases, etc. With single-agent anti-PD-1 therapy, such as nivolumab, the likelihood of a serious or grade 3-4 toxicity is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10 to 15%. We've seen that across several different trials. With combination anti-PD-1 plus anti-LAG-3, the likelihood of a severe toxicity might be a little higher. For example, in the case of relatlimab plus nivolumab, the grade 3-4 toxicity rate seems to be about 20%. In the case of ipilimumab plus nivolumab, CTLA-4 plus PD-1 blockade, the rate of a grade 3 or greater toxicity seems to be much higher, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50%, dropping the dose of ipilimumab to 1 milligram per kilogram from the usual 3 milligram per kilogram does seem to decrease the rate of severe toxicities, although some of the efficacy in patients with melanoma when IPI is used at that low dose is unknown. Other trials of combination therapy have demonstrated perhaps a slightly lower rate of severe toxicities. A trial looking at fianlimab plus simiplimab only saw a rate of grade 3 or greater toxicities of 11%. It was a small patient population, just 80 patients, so more data to come. Monitoring patients, of course, is critical whenever patients are receiving immune checkpoint blocking therapies and after discontinuation of those agents. A CBC comprehensive panel thyroid testing at uh, regular intervals is important. Clinical evaluations, in particular for symptoms that might be consistent with adrenal insufficiency, is also important. And perhaps most importantly, educating patients on when and how to report adverse events remains key. In the next session, we'll discuss how to individualize treatment selections given the broad landscape of immunotherapy regimens for patients with advanced melanoma.
In this fourth session, we'll discuss how to individualize treatment regimens for patients with advanced melanoma. The first thing to know is that there is solid phase three data demonstrating that ipilimumab plus nivolumab and then switching to dibrafenib plus trametinib in patients with previously untreated BRAF mutant melanoma improves overall survival over the reverse sequence. When choosing immunotherapies for various patients, for us, patients fall into one of three categories, and I'll give you a quick example of each one. The first is a 65-year-old individual who's otherwise reasonably healthy, who has metastatic melanoma, say with liver metastases and lung metastases, and maybe a small brain metastasis, who could potentially tolerate a severe toxicity should one occur. Those patients in general in my clinic are getting ipilimumab plus nivolumab. We have seven and a half year follow-up data for overall survival. We have good evidence that you can provide a patient with disease control in the brain for those with intracranial metastases in about half of cases. And so with data like that, patients who are otherwise reasonably healthy, who could potentially tolerate a toxicity, are getting ipi plus nevo. On the other side of that spectrum are patients who are going to likely have a very difficult time tolerating an immune toxicity. So for example, somebody with severe ulcerative colitis whose symptoms are barely controlled on immunosuppressive medications. In those folks, we might start with anti-PD-1 monotherapy and monitor them very, very closely. And then there are patients in the middle, the patients for whom you'd like to give the benefit of increased progression-free survival that we saw with relatlimab plus nivolumab over nivolumab alone in the relativity study, but who you suspect might not tolerate a grade 3-4 toxicity very well. So that would be an 85-year-old individual with a few lung metastases, but no brain metastases, where you're concerned you might exacerbate an underlying illness. Those patients in our clinic get anti-LAG3 plus anti-PD-1, relatlimab plus nivolumab. In the experimental setting, we're investigating potential biomarkers of treatment selection. But until we have data that directs us to use biomarkers as a mechanism for treatment selection, we're really left with selecting a treatment regimen based on how we think a patient will tolerate the therapy and how many opportunities we have to treat that patient based on their pace of disease and site of metastases. In the next and final session, we'll discuss some considerations for the sequencing of immunotherapy regimens for patients with advanced melanoma. In this fifth and final session, we'll discuss sequencing of immunotherapy for patients with melanoma refractory to anti-PD-1. Investigations into the most effective therapies for patients with anti-PD-1 refractory melanoma has been of interest in the last several years with the emergence of dual immunotherapy agents. Relatlimab plus nivolumab was tested in Relativity 020, Phase 1-2 open-label trial of dual-agent therapy in patients who had already experienced PD-1 or PD-L1 plus or minus anti-CTLA-4. What we saw in that trial is that the overall response rates for patients in the refractory setting ranged between 9 and 12%. So, approximately 10% of patients who have progressed through anti-PD-1 or anti-PD-1 plus anti-CTLA-4 will experience an anti-tumor response with relatlimab plus nivolumab. Another important study in this space was a SWOG trial, 
a cooperative group study that compared ipilimumab plus nivolumab to ipilimumab alone in patients who had melanoma that had progressed on anti-PD-1. There we saw that the progression-free survival was improved with Nevo plus Ipi over Ipi by itself. The objective response rate in the Nevo plus Ipi group was 28%, where the objective response rate in the Ipi monotherapy group was only 9%. Therefore, when we are treating patients with CTLA-4 blockade who have progressed through anti-PD-1, we add nivolumab or pembrolizumab in that setting. We need to consider the toxicity risks, of course, for each of those regimens. The toxicity profile of anti-LAG3 plus anti-PD-1 is lower than the toxicity profile of NEVO plus IPI. These studies, of course, are not the only ones out there. A study looking at fianlimab plus simithlimab in patients with melanoma who were PD-1 or PD-L1 experienced demonstrated a 13% overall response rate. This is a small cohort of patients, so we'll learn more about that trial in the months and years to come. Much of what we've learned over the last decade or so has come from courageous patients participating in well-designed clinical trials. So, of course, we encourage referrals to academic centers so that patients have the opportunity to participate in ongoing studies in order that we might further enhance care for this patient population. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion of considerations for treatment of patients with advanced melanoma. I'm Dr. Evan Lipson from Johns Hopkins University. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.